Hello everyone, um, this is Andrea and I'd like to welcome you to our November webinar and podcast episode. A quick reminder on asking questions, if you're joining us live today you have the opportunity to ask a question anytime, just use the Q&A function on your Zoom control panel and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you're viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later and would like to ask a question, feel free to contact us directly at smithinc.com. I'll now hand over to Mark Holshen, SmithInc Director, who will be presenting practice KPIs that really drive accountability. Over to you, Mark. Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, Andrew, sorry, Andrea. Just talking to an Andrew. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be, everyone, and welcome to our November webinar. And the title of this one is Practice KPIs that Really Drive Accountability. I think in our industry, KPIs are just the necessary component of every accounting firm. But what I'd like to look at today is some of the KPIs I believe firms should be measuring and then give you a couple of examples from what I think is a brilliant report that every firm should have, which is the good, bad and ugly report put out by Business Fitness each year and have a look at what some of the KPIs the industry in Australia are generating. I'd strongly recommend to you, as I do, to get a copy of that report every year and match up where your firm currently sits on the key KPIs, whether it's across the industry, uh, across the state, whether it's regional, suburban, um, capital city-based, whatever the case may be. What I'd like to start with is what are five KPIs I think that firms probably should be looking at, many are, let's be honest, but maybe a couple of them aren't looking at maybe the first or the second or third one here. Certainly client profitability. I remember when I first started in this industry, you know, if the client breathed, we took them on. If they didn't breathe, we kicked them. And then they, once they did breathe, we take them on again. I think times have changed, honestly. I think we need to have a, a better understanding of our, our ideal client and go out there and hunt and nurture that particular type of client. But my challenge for you today is how profitable are your clients? Which ones are profitable? Which ones are not? I understand that we have to take some jobs on that ultimately might not be as profitable because of other relationships we have, but I really think we need to be measuring not just the profitability of the firm, but also the profitability per client. It might be time intensive to do manually, but any good practice management system these days should have the ability to be able to set up and track and trace this information. The second one is client retention. I think it's another key KPI. You know, sure, every firm that I talk to wants to attract new, better quality, A-class clients, but are we actually retaining the ones that we have, that we want to keep? I was with a firm just recently said we lost two clients that we didn't want to lose. They've been long-standing good clients, thought they were friends, down the street to another accounting firm. And I said, why do you think they left you? They said, well, I said, that I presume it was price, I presume it was something. You know, and that metric is a key thing. How many clients are you losing? How many clients are you retaining each year? I think it's another good measurement point. And thirdly, the new client growth rate. Okay, I think it's important for firms that are starting up and also firms that are looking to grow. Okay, so what is your growth rate? Is it 25%? Is it 10%? Is it 30%? And that's a KPI that you should be tracking and tracing at least every quarter, if not every month, on how you're travelling to that. And obviously, hitting the ideal client mix that you want. Job profitability, I'm all over this one. 
It allows us to look at the menu of services and identify services that are profitable and those that are not. You know, I do a lot of advisory work with clients. The first thing I say to them is break your advisory uh, services into a menu, into a price book, work out how to explain them, what they cost, how you're going to pitch them to a client, what's involved to get them done, what the cost of supply is and what the sales price is. So I know profitably wise what each and every advisory service a firm's going to offer is about. When it comes to compliance, which services are truly profitable? And lastly, employee profitability, productivity rather. We employ employees, we pay them a wage. How productive are they? Are they hitting the stock standard goals, you know, 75, 80%, 85% if all they're doing is pure production work? What's your expectation of them? Do you build your budget around that expectation? Do you performance manage employees that aren't actually hitting that, that production level? Um, and that it could be before and after write-offs. So that's that's five that over the years I've looked at, in particular in my practice. And, and certainly, you know, it's a matter of not only setting them up but being able to monitor them and where it's not working, take whatever remedial action you might want to do. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm a massive fan of the Business Fitness Good, Bad and Ugly report on the accounting industry. The last one released was 2021. I presume that 2022 will come out earlier next year. So when I look at any accounting firm and I look at KPIs, the first things I'm looking at is the key performance benchmarks. And in my mind, these are all stock standard KPIs. What's the revenue per partner? These numbers on screen are across the Australian accounting uh, practice network that participated in this survey. It might change if you're a country-based firm or a suburban-based firm, but across the board, that figure was about a million and 72 per partner. Gross profit per partner before partner salaries, about 683. And revenue per full-time equivalent employee, around 167. Revenue per chargeable person, around just over 200,000. And a GP rate before partner salaries of about 62%. But interesting, the one that I look at quite carefully is the leverage structure. In other words, for each partner, how many full-time equivalent staff do they have? And we're looking at numbers across the industry, globally that is, across the Australian industry, of roughly about 5.2 employees. I see these as all critical KPIs. We can push the profitability arm a little bit further down the track, but are you earning what your peers are earning? As far as pure revenue per partner, profit per partner, are your employees truly productive and earning you the expectation of revenue that you need? And also, at the end of the day, how many employees do you have per partner to be able to service those goals? The other thing I look at with any KPI is the performance of the firm. So net profit, net profit per partner, net profit before partner salaries, net profit full-time equivalent before partner salaries and net profit after partner salaries. So we're looking previously across the board at roughly 62% GP, which equates to roughly 37% uh, net profit before partner salaries. Now, a lot of people look at this and say, are these true KPI? Of course they are. I mean, what's your expectation of NP, gross profit? What's your expectation of net profit for your full-time equivalent staff? 
I think we need to set these as part of our practice goals, our practice KPIs, build them into our practice budget, and more importantly, monitor them and hold yourself accountable to them. The other area I think here is pretty critical is the team. So with the team, another key KPI is chargeable, non-chargeable ratio. Okay, what is in your firm? Across the Australian network, it's about four. Salaries is a percentage of revenue. I'm seeing this up and down all over the place at the moment. I know salaries are uh, going up. I know it's difficult to recruit and retain employees and we've got to pay overs at times. But if it exceeds some of the key industry metrics, then we've got a bit of an issue. Productivity for all the team, roughly about 53%, and productivity for the chargeable only, excluding the equity partners, so your production team, is coming in across the board about 73%. I'd love, I'd love you to have a look at the good, bad and ugly and match up your firm, be it regional, be it suburban, be it New South Wales, Queensland, whatever the case may be, based on your income generation and see how closely you come to this. And something else I think is critical, that's the partner return on effort. Across the board, it's about 205 bucks. And productivity per partner, you know, I think... Generally, it should be around 40%. It's about 46 across the board. I'm seeing some firms, honestly, where it's up around the 60s, 70s, even just recently, 80%. And then I'm seeing productivity of the team nowhere near that. It makes me wonder how much the partners are carrying what's happening in the practice. It's a key metric. It's a key KPI. But if there's too much being done by the person at the top of the tree at the highest realisable rate of return and not enough by the other guys in the firm, at least to your expectation and budget. That's a KPI you need to be all over and you need to take action with it. Finally, I think the old other, the average hourly rate before write-offs is about 210. After write-offs, 188. Well, that's a bit of a drop. The net write-off, write-on, is 9.8%. Expenses as a percentage of revenue, roughly about 63. And here's three KPIs that will kill an accounting firm or any professional services firm for that. And that's work in progress and receivables. Across the industry, it's 26 and 50. It differs greatly when we look at the report and we look at the, the median, then we look at the low end of town, then we look at the high end of town, then we look to see what state it's in, whether it's regional or suburban, et cetera, et cetera. But generally across the board, lockups about 76 days. Uh, I'm seeing firms with a lot, lot higher, certainly in the uh, WIP area in particular, and also debtors. Well, I'm seeing a lot of good responses by firms who are using third-party debt collection solutions to get that down. Uh, much lower than what that figure is on screen. But I think one of the biggest KPIs we need to deal with is work in progress. And then we've got to deal with how much of that work in progress is billed against how much is written off. Of course, there's other key KPIs that we need to look at, like turnaround time. Generally, across the board, that should be no longer than six weeks. Number of open jobs per employee, no more than five, even though that very rarely comes up, but at least that's one of the other key KPIs. But they're all part of your productivity KPIs. So just in those four screens, looking at the numbers from GBU, 
then there's at least some reasonable indications of where my firm should be starting to land. And if it's not landing there, then we've got to look at reasons why it isn't and what remedial steps need to be taken. But my greatest concern in any industry that has a delayed billing system and has to sell time is lockup. And I'm seeing lockup miles higher. And I think you will too when you start to match your firm up against what's happening out there. If it's under, fantastic. Couldn't be happier. A couple of other things we've seen across the industry. And whilst these aren't KPIs, I thought they're interesting reading from the perspective of what firms are looking to do, which could have a dramatic effect on the KPIs in the firm. Training, streaming workflow and processes. 54% of firms are saying, I need to do more training. And I would agree, but I go a little bit further and say we need to start to train people better and smarter and more often in soft skills, not just technical skills. Growing the overall top line, 42% of firms. Improving the overall profitability, half, I think that's a bit low. Are happy with the current results, 5%. It's interesting, isn't it? 5% are happy, but only half are looking at improving profitability. Okay. What else? Utilising fixed pricing. I think this is increasing across the board. 40% are utilising fixed pricing. 45% are looking to increase fees and charge rates. And 34% looking to grow the overall bottom line of their practice. Additionally, what else is happening out there? 4% looking to acquire a better parcel of fees. I think that's higher now. Um, the more and more firms I'm talking to, the more interest is about looking what's out there, looking at potential mergers, et cetera, et cetera, acquisitions. Delegating client contact or other team members to free departments time. What will kill anything else you do in your practice? One word, capacity. If we're busy at the moment, by golly, it's hard to be busier in the future and do other things like advisory work. So that's encouraging. Delegating lower-level work to more appropriate team members, 55% of firms. Improving the quality of clients, 48. Recording all partners' time to better understand the actual cost of servicing a client. <laughs> I work with uh, quite a few accounting firms over the years. Uh, often with time billing, we can always track and trace the production team. Try to get the information out of the partners is a totally different story. A bigger challenge. You know, and who's the worst at doing timesheets? We all know that. It's the partners. So not too many are looking to record all the time, which is concerning. And 40% by survey are looking at implementing business advisory services, which is encouraging to an old fellow like me, Andrea, who's been sprouting about it for 25 years. But a lot of firms that are looking to implement still haven't addressed the biggest issue, and that's the capacity in their firm and the correct structure in their firm to get it done. They might have gone out and bought some software, and, geez, there's some brilliant stuff out there at the moment. But when it comes to actually systemising into a service, how do I sell it, what do I sell, what will I do, how do I engage clients, what will I price, I think there's a couple of steps that need to be addressed first. But at least a large number of firms are starting to think about diversified service incomes. And 72%, no surprise there, looking to leverage technology. How can we do stuff more efficient? How can we automate things that very well have been very manually orientated? Classic example over the last few years, the whole ASIC process. So what will be next? What will be the next main game changer? 
on something in your firms that are done manually that could very well be automated? And how do we better leverage the cloud, technology, servers, et cetera, et cetera, all part of the big picture plan? So interestingly, from the good, bad and ugly, I dragged up this slide, which is the partner charge rates in 2020, which led to the 21 report. Next year's uh, good, bad and ugly, which again, please consider investing in it, might show a totally different story. So the highest end of town is a KPI at 600 bucks. The lowest is 90, heaven forbid. Okay, the average about 327. Where do you sit in that metrics? What's your KPI when it comes to partner charge out rates, let alone managers, intermediates, seniors, junior staff in your firms? The primary method of calculating your job invoice is changing a little bit. 24% are doing it on time charged to WIP, multiplied by charge rates. 33% are billing time or billing value, by the way. 11% don't know what they're doing. And 32% review WIP, but look at last year's fee and increase it by a certain percentage. That's the rule of thumb. That's the rule of thumb. Maybe we need to be shifting that number on the right more so towards the bottom left-hand corner. But I thought I'd found that as a really interesting KPI in our industry. 19% of work being written off by Australian firms before that's been billed. Some would call that the gutless factors. Some would call that, okay, I don't have the internal systems in play to trace and track what I'm doing early enough. Uh, some would say, uh, I blew out the whip on a particular job because I didn't find out the whip was just about used before it got to review. And by the time it was reviewed, we had a loss. And we're not going to bill it because it's too much compared to where we were last year. Major issue in any professional service firm is whip management and write-offs. Write-ons are wonderful. Write-offs, another story. And that equates to roughly about 198 and a half in fees written off per firm per year. It's a lot of money. I mean, if I had a KPI in my firm and it was currently I was meeting that, I'd be looking at how to cut it in half over the next 12 months. We're looking to do something. I certainly wouldn't be sitting there pleased with it. Fixed price agreements. More and more firms I talk to around the world are talking about putting in more fixed price agreements. Does your firm currently offer fixed-priced agreements? 81% are saying, yes, we do. 19%? No, we don't. That's a wonderful percentage. What percentage of your firm's fees are the subject of fixed-priced agreements? Obviously, it's the top end of town. So that 81% goes down to an average of 37%, of which 75% in the upper quartile of firms. So the higher-end clients, the A-class clients, the ones that we might be able to package services more easily around. And what's the biggest impact on the accounting profession from Mark Holton's perspective? Well, I looked at the good, bad and ugly report. I found this fascinating. At the different ends of town based on income, let's take the bottom end. It's all about automating processes, building stronger relationships, cash flow, new clients and efficiency of the process in the firm up to the top end of town where it's about improving efficiencies by implementing new technology, upskilling staff, automating processes, revenue growth, standardising work practices. So at that end, it's really how do I do it better, smarter, more profitably, okay, in less time. 
in the middle, as you can see, getting the right clients, efficiency of your firm's processes. In the 1.5 to 4, automating those processes and efficiency of those processes. So very much around process-driven. And down the bottom, looking at getting the right clients on board and hopefully those that we don't have to bitch, moan and whinge with them. I hope and bitch, moan and whinge to us or BMW our fees. So a couple of interesting challenges in the industry. And before I do finish today, uh, another report that uh, Business Fitness puts out, these ones have come out occasionally, they're complimentary for people to download, but this one was the insight poll on modern technology, last done in 2020, but still pretty darn relative. Let's have a look at what firms are using when it comes to software choice on business advisory. Heaven forbid, heaven forbid, the accounting love tool is still up there. From 46% on the bottom revenue revenue tier to 52% with the bigger ones. So with all the great software, and you can see some of the brilliant software on screen there, and there's much, much more not on screen. We're still reverting to the heavy lifting process of using Excel. Why? Well, I think we're comfortable with it. Why? We know how to do it. Why? Because I think accountants love spreadsheets. They do. We do spreadsheets even when there's no requirement to do a spreadsheet. And after we've done it, we then colour the darn thing in and sit back and think, doesn't that look good? But then you've got some brilliant tools out there that can help you track KPIs. You know, Fathom, Futurely, Spotlight, even the old Profit Optimizer. Heaven forbid. I spent a lot of time in the early days in advisory working with that tool, but it had good KPIs in it and it allowed you to create your own KPIs for clients as well as your own practice. So quite a few solutions there and quite a few others that aren't there that probably slot into the other. Interesting, the old not applicable. In other words, I don't do anything in that space. Concerns me a little bit, but hopefully that KPI will drop in the future. The next purchase firms are looking at. Client portals, not so much bottom end of town, pretty high top end of town. You know, document management software, there's some brilliant solutions out there at the moment. Practice management software, okay, workflow, business advisory, that's pretty darn high at the top end of town and also at the bottom end of town too. Tax software, pretty much stock standard, okay. None of the above is a bit of a concern, so we're not thinking about technology, maybe because we're already doing it pretty well. But certainly either that or we're not thinking about it at all. And one of the things we've done at Smithing for years is we've surveyed the market on what they do in technology. And I love this slide because it tells me one thing. And that one slide that it tells me is there are more firms in advisory doing cash flow and budgeting than any other service offering. And you can see in the blue there, okay, in 2019 it went quite high in comparison to the previous years. Tax planning, we only had three years of data there because nobody could tell us in the earlier years what their tax planning revenue was because they never tracked it separately. And a whole host of other ones starting to get up there. Now, that was pre-COVID. I reckon that number would be even higher again through COVID where many firms did budgets, cash flows for banks, for other lending facilities, for clients as part of uh, sustainability planning and the rest. My concern with cash flows and budgets is not enough firm are then, firms are then turning it into a quarterly board of advice meeting where you as the external chairperson to the client hold them accountable to the budget and the cash flow. 
We're doing it too much as a piecemeal activity and not enough as an annuity activity. And that's one of our great challenges moving forward. Okay, a couple of final slides to think about when it comes to the industry, the future, KPIs, what we need to measure. No doubt we need to measure real-time trends, not trends that are historical. I think the next big stage through big data will be how do we leverage the data more efficiently through cloud systems? How do we get real-time benchmarking happening? Because benchmarking is one of the best KPIs you can run in your own firm against the peers and also for your clients, let's be honest. You know, predicting future performance. I think advisory is not about yesterday, it's about tomorrow. So without a budget and cash flow, boy, it makes it hard to plan tomorrow. So I think we've got to get our head around that and start to look at industry-based KPIs we can build for clients that are going to add true value to them. I think machine learning is going to have an impact in the future. So what machines, what might machines do that they're not currently doing that might aid us in the automated process and how do we take advantage of it? But certainly I've seen a couple of examples of machine learning uh, by one of the institutes in particular that went to great pains to put it out on the market. Some of the data coming out of it and the KPIs were quite incredible based on the industries that were looked at, but never once did they say how to sell it, how to market it, how to persuade a client or how to price it. And I think that's the challenge with some of this technology is how do we turn it into a better, sharper, more profitable, viable service and how do we engage the clients to it and how do we price it accordingly. So with that in mind, Andrew, I think I'm at 12.28. I'm about two minutes short of time. So I'd love to open up to any questions anybody has that they might have popped in the chat or they want to ask at the moment. Great, thank you, Mark. Uh, anybody have any questions? Just a reminder, you can type those into the ask a question function and I will read those out for you. Um, just give it a moment or two while we're waiting. John, I think you've got a question. If you could just type it into the Q&A function, that way I can read it out for you. And Alison as well, that'd be great. Just give that a moment. Can't stand attention, Andrew. Oh, here we go. Here's one come through. <laughs> oh, John, all good. <laughs> no problem. Ella, uh, Cheryl, would you be able to share the new advisory software options you have seen? Oh, great question, Cheryl. How long's a piece of string these days? I think I've seen more new solutions hit the market or preliminary hit the market than anything else. I think it comes back. And I've said this on previous webinars, Cheryl, to, uh, I've just seen something else from Sean there that bothered me a little bit, I'll talk about it in a sec. Um, and that is, it comes back to what services you want to offer. So if we had a discussion offline, I'd be asking you what type of advisory services do you currently offer? Uh, how do you do it? Who does it? How do you price it? And what services the can't currently in your price book that is still sitting on the table that you want to offer. Then I'd look for advisory options as far as software is concerned to be able to help you deliver what you're looking to deliver. It's very difficult to say this tool is better than this one. I do have opinion on this. I'm just not that keen to go public on that opinion 
when I don't know exactly in your firm what you're currently doing or what you want to do. So I'd be more than happy, Cheryl, if you want to reach out to me at Smithink and uh, we'll have a bit of a conversation offline and then I'll certainly tell you what I think. Thanks, Mark. Did you want to... Uh, yeah, I sort of thought Sean, one yeah. there. <laughs> was then discontinued the knowledge shop. Didn't know that, Sean. Thanks for letting me know. Um, I'll do some digging. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I still saw the report or at least the last report on their site. But maybe, Sean, if you wouldn't mind, if you could reach out to me and let me know what you know and then I'll go looking as well. So, you know, as long as we get this quality of information through to us, then um, I think it really comes back to it doesn't matter who does it, but certainly a fan of the current model. Great, thanks, Mark. Um, Michael's asked, do you know if leverage in terms of the leverage structure KPI refers to all staff in a firm or just productive staff? Michael Harris, how are you, my friend? As far as I know, this is all staff, Michael. But I'll take that one on advisement because I know you. I'll get back to you on it. Okay, sounds good. John has asked, we require more clients. Despite twice weekly blogs to social media, good website can't find new client. Is that, uh, John, is that a statement or a question in that yeah. one? I, mean, um, I think you might need a bit of bit of support, John, um, as far as, you know, social media, thought leadership, et cetera, et cetera, a marketing plan of some sort. Um, certainly feel free to reach out. I can have a chat to you about what we do at Smith Inc. and put you in contact with good people that look after us. Yep, sounds good. Uh, with Staff shortages, Stuart has asked, sorry, with staff shortages, what are firms doing to address leverage? Yeah, good question, Stuart. I think one of the biggest issues we're facing in the industry at the moment is not just uh, where do I get them from, but how do I hold on to them? Um, I think firms are starting to look at a whole host of different op options, you know, regionally. It doesn't seem to be that big an offer option. We're getting staff into the office, um, certainly, Capital city wise and suburban wise, I'm seeing it is a bit of an offer. Um, I've seen firms that have gone out there and offered sign on bonuses, equivalent to, I suppose, what recruiters would charge them. I've seen them uh, look to provide flex more flexible working relationships because we made it flexible when COVID hit and it ended up suiting us a bit. So it's pretty hard to take that away. Um, Certainly firms that said to me that they'll, they never have any desire to outsource and outdoing it or at least going through the process of considering it. Um, there's a million and one questions to answer there, Stuart, but it's, it's a major issue in our industry, but not just here. It's a major is, in, issue in the industry offshore as well. Yeah, it sure is. Um, Michael Sigurdman, thanks. Great yeah, session. Always tells the truth, Andrea Michael Harris. <laughs> and Richard, great session. Thank you. And John, um, get in touch with Mark and who will um, help you out on that. Looks like that's all the questions today. This will be has been recorded and will be sent out. Thank you very much, Mark, for presenting today. Pleasure, Andrew. If anybody has got any questions, guys, just reach out to me at the uh, email address you see there. I'll be more than happy to have a conversation offline. Uh, Cheryl, give us a yell. I'd love to have a chat to you about advisory stuff. And uh, and Sean, love to hear what you know about the uh, GBU in the future. Appreciate that. Great. Thanks, everybody.